When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, February 17th, 2023. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adelier Jr., and joining me is my roommate, Michael <laughs> Hyam. Hey, you know what time it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here back on KFGD. For the Fi- first time in the studio. Yeah. Like, we done KFGD in our bedrooms. Yeah. The same house. Uh, where I can hear you from the other room as, <laughs> as you're talking on the Discord D- call. Did yeah. we never do an episode where we had you guys sit in the same place from home? No. no, no, no. I think I was pushing for that. A lot, of people, a lot of people were pushing for that. And I, was, that. I didn't want to make Kevin drive over to, like, figure out a setup. And, like, I didn't want to do the sharing microphone thing where I'm, like, Passing it back and forth. I'm just like, like sitting in your bedroom, like over your shoulder, like yeah. He's like, I have something to say. I have something to say. Michael, welcome to the show for the first time in the studio. Of course, this is not the first show you've done in the studio. You've done kind of funny games cast where you did our Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core review, and you did excellent on that. So I'm very happy to have you on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Hell yeah! How are you doing? I'm chilling, man. I've been busy. For folks who know, I've gone full time freelance. Uh, since being a let go from uh, from Fanbyte, from Fanbyte, yeah, yeah, <laughs> part of a, yeah. a wide array of uh, layoffs that have happened at yeah. Fanbyte and other outlets, but yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, I think that uh, I've it's been really exciting. Like I've been mad busy uh, out covering different things for different websites. Uh, we'll talk about what I did for Gamespot most recently. Also uh, working with IGN, got some things lined up with some other websites that y'all will see very soon. So. Uh, man, I'm out there. I'm are still there, doing it. Are there any freelance gigs that have come out already that you can talk about that you want to pimp? Uh, I know we're going to talk about like, uh, Black and Dragon Asian reviews and stuff like yeah. that. But is there anything else? Mm, I'm going to hold on to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We're going to hold on to that. Of course, people can follow you on Twitter. We're at? Yeah, at Michael P. I'm on Twitter. Hell yeah. And I know like right now, I from living with you, I can tell that you're not hurting for gigs. Like I love like oh, you know, yeah. lo- like coming home and like you know hearing you either on a podcast yeah. in your room, right? Or I can tell that like you got work that you're doing, right? Because right now is review yeah. season, uh, and so the freelance gigs are coming in. But, of course, I'm sure people can hit you up if they want uh, want you to work uh, on any guides, yeah. reviews, all that yeah. stuff. Also, um, MinMax just shared that we're going to be doing a deepest dive on Yakuza Ishin. So that's, like, one of the series that they do. The boy Ben Hansen hit me up and also got to collab with uh, Sarah Pods and Leo Vader and Jacob Geller also, which is, like, really cool, like... Uh, Jacob a, good, uh, a good crew over there. Yes, sir. A yes, really sir. good crew. Yeah. So cool things. Excited. I'm like legit excited for a lot of the work that I'm doing now. Hell yeah. Well, enough about that. Let's talk about today's stories, which include a Like a Dragon Ishin review roundup, Civilization 7's been announced, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Ishin week at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news needs to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kinda funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel uh to be a part of the show head to kind of funny.com slash kfgd to write in with your questions squad ups and more and remember patreon.com slash kind of funny will get you the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content housekeeping for you remember our wild hearts and psvr2 reviews are up on youtube.com slash kind of funny games as a kind of funny games cast and a ps love you xoxo respectively so go check those out if you haven't and then over on patreon we got a new episode of kind of feudy and we're about to record a very magical episode of the shit list featuring the one and only michael hyam where me michael and barrett we're going to be talking about the top 10 Persona characters. Uh, it should be a really good episode. Of course, this is one that I lined up specifically for Michael because Ha-ha. I know it's going to be a very good time. Who's one character that should be on that list? Who should be on that list? Yeah. That, uh, I'll pick one that probably won't be on the list, but Maya Amino from Persona 2. That's my girl. All right. All right. You got a Persona 2 character in there. All right. This should be exciting. Uh, Thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. Today, we're brought to you by Shady Rays and Honey, but we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. 
a baker's dozen. Starting with our number one. We got a Like a Dragon Ishin review roundup for you. Right now, that's sitting on Metacritic at an 81 and on Open Critic at an 81. Uh, Tristan Ogilvy at IGN gave it a 7 out of 10 and says this. While its half-baked gunplay should probably have remained holstered, like a Dragon Ishin's style, uh, style, stylish sword fighting and over-the-top trooper card attacks successfully pair the Yakuza series' brand of hysterical action with the historical fiction of its 19th century Japan setting. Unfortunately, it's a step back in time, uh, also presents a slight step down in quality for its sub-stories and side activities, which have been eclipsed in entertainment value by the other Yakuza games and judgment games in the years since Ishin's original Japanese release. In the blander area, of its low-tech environment can't quite compete with the flashy charms of Kemurocho when it comes to exploration. Even so, its high-stakes story had me hooked throughout, and it was fascinating to get uh, an insight into a period of Japanese history I knew very little about previously, albeit through a heavily heavily fictionalized lens. No matter which way you slice it, Like a Dragon Ishin is an enjoyable and interesting spinoff from the Yakuza series, but not an essential one. Uh, Alan Wen at Eurogamer gave it an unscored review and says the long overdue samurai spinoff is classic Yakuza under its period dressing but also underwhelming as a current gen remake and then Michael Hyam at GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10 and says although like a Dragon Ishin is dated in some respects the gripping drama and spirit of Yakuza makes for an enticing historical fiction yes sir of course those are your words those are mine how do, how, so you've been reviewing Like a Dragon Ishin. I've been playing it as well. Unfortunately, I've not gotten to play as much as, as you have because like I've been t- talking about for the last few weeks, it's been review season. I've been split between a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, but I want to start with you. Like Overall, you gave it an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts on Like a Dragon Ishin? Ooh, I wrote like 2,200 words on hit video game website, GameSpot.com, that y'all should peep, um, make Tam happy. But uh, there's a lot of things to touch on. So... Uh, I know Tristan had the the long excerpt there for that, and I, he's he's kind of on point. Like I agree with him, but I think that the the high points of the Yakuza franchise uh, really hit me as like a, as a fan of the franchise for a very long time. I played I played like ten of these games, man. Like and, and still time and again they they get me with the story. So a couple of things I get into with it is that yes, this is a remake slash remaster, but it does feel dated in many respects. Like I say, because it's while it's a but it's much better than what Ishin was back in 2014 when it only came out in Japan. Like, it's nice to have it in the West now, mm. but it is built off the foundation of Yakuza 0 and Kiwami 1. Uh, and having played Lost Judgment most recently, where it is kind of the best version of RGG's Brawler Combat, playing Ishin is like, oh, this definitely feels old. Like, the combat feels stiff in, in many ways, but there are some highlights with the combat because there's four different stances, and the stances feel a lot more distinct than they do with uh, some of the hand-to-hand stuff that you've seen in, like, uh, such as Yakuza 0. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like the, the boss fights are probably one of the highlights because it feels like a one-on-one duel between swordsmen and dodging, parrying, and getting, getting my hits in uh, and using heat actions in those fights are... It's, it's better than series pass because a lot of those fights feel like a war of attrition which is like i'm just hammering on this dude and if yeah he, if he gets me then i'm just gonna pop the the menu open and use a healing item or whatever uh but here i felt like i was a little bit more technical so it was a lot more fun to do uh some of the one-on big one-on-one boss fights with all the overtop theatrics and heat actions and, and shit like that um story-wise though it's pretty wild to see a lot of these characters that i know and love take on the role of historical figures so Almost all these characters are pulled from the actual history books. Yeah, that was one of the yeah. things I noticed first because I've I've dipped into quite a few different entries into the Yakuza franchise, right? Like I started Yakuza Zero. I played like eight hours of Yakuza Like a Dragon. I played a, quite a bit of Lost Judgment mm-hmm. and booting up Like a Dragon Ishin, Immediately, I recognized the main character who yeah. looks yeah. like Kiryu, yeah. right? And they start to run into other characters where I'm like. Oh, you seem like you're you're familiar as well. And one of the things I was having a conversation with Roger during the review process, where Roger was like, "Hey, so I'm also playing like a Dragon Ishin. What is this compared to regular Yakuza? Like, <laughs> yeah. is this an Elseworlds Elseworld story? What is this?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I, yeah. I, maybe these are their ancestors." As it, was, <laughs> it wasn't until I got back home when I asked you about it, yeah. where you were like, "Oh, no, these are it's this is a real." Like, this is a historical tale, right? Obviously, they take liberties and it's fiction and all that stuff, but it's them retelling a, a story from Japanese history, yep. but implanting characters from modern Yakuza into the roles and the archetypes they fit in. And mm-hmm. so, like, 
you get the main character who's Kiryu, who has like the same kind of personality as him. Yeah. But then you'll meet another character who might be might have been a villain character in Yakuza, and they'll be in a vil villain role in the game because they're matching them up to how they were in modern Yakuza, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite parts because when you meet these characters, such as like Majima's character in there is exactly how he is in the mainline games. And I think that's one of the more exciting parts for me. It's like seeing old friends and rivals again, but take on different roles. It almost feels like they're doing a stage play uh, for Edo period Japan. So like this takes place in the 1850s, 1860s in Japanese history, which is a pivotal time. Um, and so the, the way it's kind of dramatized uh, through this story is it's it's pretty wild. And it, it it's definitely like, yeah, they're like Ryoma Sakamoto is a, like a big figure in Japanese history. But this it's very much like not the Ryoma Sakamoto from the history books. Uh, yeah. Just kind of because I, I imagine yeah. he wasn't like dual wielding a sword <laughs> and a gun and fucking spinning around yeah. uh, shooting people. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't worrying about people's mochi on the streets and uh, saving little dogs and living off the land with his adoptive daughter. <laughs> like, um, but it is uh, it uses some some of the similar dynamics. And this is very much a political story because during this time there was a lot of political internal conflict within Japan. Uh, not to like go into like a big history lesson, but this is before the Meiji Restoration, which was the modernization of Japan, um, which is, you know, I, I have a lot of feelings about the glamorization of the samurai and this point in Japanese history. A lot of people adore the aesthetics of that era. And I think you see some of that um, romanticization and that glorification in games like Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this is very much a Yakuza story where everyone's betraying you. Everyone's trying to start a new alliance. So you you basically take all the gang drama from the main Yakuza games and just transport that into political factions during a time when everyone wants to be uh, in control of Japan's future. And you see a little bit about like that time when they when the Western world started meddling in Japanese politics a little bit more and the influence of Western technology on Japan, where they looked at that and said, "Oh shit, we should." You know, we we need to catch up with the rest of the world. There were like political factions who believed that and kind of fought for that power to make those decisions in in history. And you know, I I think I say this in my review that Ishin keeps some of that glorification and romanticization at arm's length. Where mm -hmm. like we're here for a Yakuza story with the backdrop of all these politics. Uh, there are some moments where they you know they try and do like the patriotic platitudes that I'm just kind of like. Uh, if you know Japanese history and the the period after of imperialism and nationalism, like it's it's not that tidy. You know, it's a very ugly history, uh, especially like you know in the Asian world. Like you know, the Philippines was one of the victims of uh, Japanese imperialism. So I'm like conflicted when I see these stories, mm -hmm. whatever. But you know, y Yakuza is like a Dragon Ishin is a Yakuza story at its heart. So like I don't I don't necessarily put too much weight in that. Uh, because I'm there to see uh, this historical fiction. And there are just like really dramatic and, and uh, enticing moments throughout this game where you really feel the emotion of the cutscene and like what the characters are fighting for. And, and that's the thing that struck me when I was playing it is I, Yakuza is a franchise that I should love, right? It's a franchise yeah. that I feel like I should get into. And it's mainly, it's mainly been a bandwidth thing of me always falling off because I always have something else to play, right? Or I, yeah, be falling, yeah. th th this time around for Like a Dragon Nation, this was one where I was like, this feels like more so for fans of the franchise. Yeah. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not ready for like a Dragon Nation yet because of the references to other characters, because I feel like I would get way more out of it if I did go play Yakuza Zero and some yeah. other Yakuza games first to familiarize myself with the characters and then come back. Yeah. You know, like I, for me, as, so as somebody who is hopping into like a Dragon Nation, just because I saw the trailer and I thought, you know, oh man, Yakuza in history with swords. All right, cool. Yeah, let me, let me check this out. Um, I feel like it wasn't speaking to me that uh, uh, as much as it would you or somebody who's sure. already into the franchise. That said, the story and the drama was interesting from the get-go, yeah. where I was like, oh, shit, these characters are interesting. They're, they're back and forth. Their relationships are interesting. What they do in terms of driving the main, the, the main character's motiva motivation early on, I was like, oh, shit, this seems... This is drama right here. Yeah. Right? Like it <laughs> yeah. felt like watching a drama. And that's what Yakuza is a lot of the time is it feels like you're watching a drama with really good characters and really good development and you know, oftentimes great voice acting and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, like that was that was that was my main takeaway. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna come back to this later because yeah. I need to play some more Yakuza before I play like a dragon. Hell yeah. Yeah. I would always always recommend folks and I talked to Roger about this early before we got on that Yakuza Zero is the closest to a perfect game. You heard it from me first that I always recommend that as the starting point because it, it is the best representation of the franchise and mm. it has like the best, the greatest hits of like all the mini games and sub stories and writing and drama like Yakuza Zero is always it. So like, um, like Ishin is a good place to start. Like it, it is 
a place to start. Like you don't jump in the middle of Yakuza three and expect to understand what the hell is going on. Um, but Ishin, like if you're if you're into if you want that uh, historical context, that historical drama, definitely check it out. It does front load a lot of the terminology up front, like pretty heavy, and it's a little hard to follow. Like, oh, the Shinsengumi and the in the Bakumatsu period and the Bafuku uh, the Bakfu military force, like all these different things. Like, if you're not familiar with the the, the historical context, you're like, what the yo, what is going on? But mm. about the halfway point when things start to fall in place, like I couldn't stop. Like after Hell like yeah. chapter eight, chapter nine, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this game because it's that good. So to give context, because I saw some people in chat earlier asking yeah. exactly what is Yakuza um, or Like a Dragon Ishin, it is a game that originally came out in Japan, and this is the remake slash remaster that is now released in the West as well as Japan. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. There you go. That sounds like something that's appealing to you. Then. Yeah. I've been uh, cool. I've been asking the localization team about. Yakuza Ishin for many years, and it's finally here, so it's nice to at least have it on uh, modernized for all platforms. But yeah, really enjoyed it. So what's uh, what's next for Yakuza? They had other games announced, yeah. right? There was the man who steals the world, sold <laughs> name, <laughs> the man who erased his name. Or the something. man who erased. His all right, name. I was close. Yeah. I was close. Like like a dragon man who steals the world. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a dragon Gaiden. Yeah, the man who erased his name, which is. It's about Kiryu again. Uh, I love Kazuma Kiryu, uh, so I'm curious what they're doing with this. I thought we had closed the book on him with uh, Yakuza like a, or Yakuza Six, one of the best endings to a series. Period. Yakuza Six, but it seems like they're not done with him. Um, but yeah, and then after that, like a Dragon Eight, mm. uh, and that's the one with uh, Ichiban. With Ichiban, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm curious about what they're doing with that because I thought. Uh, him and Kiryu are apparently teaming up or, or something. Uh, we don't know too much yet, but Ichiban is. Probably my favorite video game character of all time, Hell so yeah. I'm I can't wait to see him again. How do you feel about the overall state of uh, I guess like a dragon now that they've changed the the franchise oh, yeah. name? Um, I only hear good things yeah. for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Even the, even like a dragon, which I feel like is uh, in all the reviews, right? There are, there are caveats of yeah, it feels dated, yeah, it feels this, it feels that. But you know, IGN still gave it a seven, yeah, which is a good score, yeah, right? Good. I, Gamespot, you gave it a, an eight, which is a great eight. score. Um, yeah. Would you say Black and Dragon slash Yakuza overall is in an amazing place right now? Is there any word that any fans have about Yakuza? I, I talked about this with uh, the boy, Jake Decker, on GameSpot After Dark. Uh, not to plug something else I was on. But uh, he, asked, he asked, like, do you feel like there's any franchise fatigue? And maybe there is if you, like, started from the beginning and blasted through all these games in one year. But the, ultimately, what I, what I told him is that there aren't any other games that are doing what Yakuza does. Uh, so it, it still feels fresh that at least once a year or once every two years, we get a new game from RGG Studio. And because there aren't other games like the Yakuza franchise, like no one does cutscenes. Oh, I'll say no one, but like no one does drama the same way that RGG does. Mm-hmm. So every time they come out with a new game, it's like I'm rubbing my hands like Birdman and shit. I'm like, all right, I'm in the, <laughs> I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. I'm ready for another one of these. Like even though like I like Lost Judgment, I have I wrote a review on Fanbyte and like. Uh, talked a lot about like the nuances of it I'm like okay i see y'all trying to do some new things um can't, doesn't quite hit here but at the end of the day you know rgg they they're great storytellers mm-hmm. and every time a new one comes out i'm like man i'm ready like when ishin came out i was like yo i'm ready when when like dragon Gaiden comes out eventually i'm ready when like a dragon 8 comes out i'm ready just because like there's yeah there's no other games like the yakuza franchise yeah it's awesome because i i look at yakuza with a bit of envy because you know all three of us here all love persona Uh and when i when you were describing to me the concept of like a dragon ishin and how it's this you know they're taking those characters putting them in a historical setting you know giving different context to to what's going on but you are getting those stories i was like man if they did that with persona 5 the amount of excitement that i would have to play something (laughs) like that like barrett could you imagine a persona story using persona characters and like the with the same arcanas and all that stuff but it takes place the 1800s Devil Summoner is kind of like that. I mean, it doesn't really fit in like we're telling a piece of history or necessarily, but it, it definitely like goes back to a like a past era of Japan uh, and uses like similar concepts as Persona because it is a Shin Megami Tensei game, yeah, uh, which I've been playing uh, a bit recently. But yeah, I, I would love to see a Devil Summoner come back and do something like that. So oh yeah, yeah. All right, let's hop in to story number two. We got another review roundup for you. This time it's Octopath Traveler 2. Right now, that's sitting on Metacritic at an 86 and on OpenCritic at 
an 86. Uh, Josh Broadwell, Game Informer, gave it an 8.5 out of 10 and says, Octopath Traveler 2 does what an excellent sequel should. Instead of breaking new ground left and right, it improves on the original in nearly every way and feels more confident about the stories it tells. There's still room for improvement in some of its, some of its stiffer areas, but Octopath 2 is a sterling achievement all around. Uh, Jade Sayers at Push Square gave it a 9 out of 10 and says, Octopath Traveler 2 presents, presents enough rich turn-based action to forgive its minor combat system flaws. It's a breathtaking work of art, filled to the brim with story and adventure, bolstered by a cast of incredible characters who will leave you wanting more at every turn. A masterfully crafted RPG. Then Ozzy uh, Mejia at Shack News gave it uh, an 8 out of 10 and says, I give Square Enix and Acquire Corps props for ambition, but there's still a ways to go before the, before the Octopath Traveler lives up to its potential and reaches its final form. Uh, of course, Michael, you play a lot of JRPGs. Sure. Is Octopath one that's on your radar? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, one of those one of those games where I kind of owe it to myself to play this game. Whether whether I, no matter where I land on it, I feel like there's a lot of games that, uh, because I have followed JRPGs since I was a kid and play a lot of these games, I just want to know where they're at. Uh, especially with something like the two D, the HD two D stuff is always striking to me. Like especially what they did with Live Alive was fucking sick amazing yeah I, I love what they did with that the thing though like octopath one didn't necessarily hook me like i f- i feel like there was okay we're gonna show you t- hd 2d and kind of do the classic uh rpg themes and hit that with eight different characters but conceptually it's very it's creative and i i, I like the idea i don't know if the execution was quite there with the first game necessarily but i do want to like Folks have said that they, you know, this is their opportunity to refine that formula, try that again, and maybe uh, get its hooks in in people in a a little bit more efficient manner. Because there's uh, Octopath One kind of dragged on. Like, all right, I got I got eight characters. All right, let me get through this. And uh, some of the writing is very super, superfluous. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna be hopping on Octopath Two because I don't think you need to have any context of Octopath One mm-hmm. to get into this one. Uh, so I will be. I will definitely make time for it before the end of the year because this is a long game, um, and I'll hopefully I don't drop off uh, on it. Like uh, Live Live was a lot more. I think a lot more, a uh, lot more forgiving with your time, or it was it respected your time a little bit more. I would say. Um, so I want to see if Octopath can tidy up some of those things, uh, so I can uh, get through another 60, 70, 80 hour RPG. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah, Octopath Two is one that you know, interests me for the fact that I fucking loved Live Alive. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, leading into Octopath Traveler 2, I've not felt as much of the need and desire and, like, hunger for it. I think part of that is just because I played Live Alive, like, half a, half a year ago. Yeah. And then also I had a similar thing with Octopath Traveler 1 where I started it, and I don't, it just wasn't clicking in that way. Um, Octopath Traveler 2, I for now, I might wait until maybe later, later in the year to get to. Um, but I also think for me that's also the thing of, I've started to realize the kinds of JRPGs I gravitate to. Right. Live Alive, I liked because it was in that category of an Earthbound or an Undertale mm-hmm. or like something that has a lot of heart, that's very goofy, that has like a really good sense of humor, that's quirky, that's weird and different. That's my iconic JRPG. Like those are the kind of things that I, I, I like. And Octopath seems a bit more aligned with, hey, no, we are, this is a traditional, yeah. like you're going to get a fantasy story out of this. Yeah, it feels um, very Shakespearean in its writing. Yeah. That... Like I, I get it. Like if you're if you're into that, like this is what it would be one thousand percent your shit. But for me, I'm kind of like, all right, trying a little too hard with this uh with this with this vibe. Uh, but I, I respect it. Yeah, and like shout out for the, for them putting out another great one, right? Eighty six on Metacritic yeah. and Open Critic uh, is pretty incredible. And you know, it's one that again every single time I look at the art style of it, when I look at the at videos, like Bear was just pulling up footage just a second ago, and I'm like, God damn, yeah. this game looks <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. Like the art style of these games is incredible. And what I honestly want, and I'm sure we've talked about this a billion times, but like I would love to see that used for even more remix. I mean, Live Alive was a remake, right? And look how well that turned out. I would love to see them use that and remake Chrono Trigger with that art style, remake Oof. some like Ooh. Even go, I mean, go back and like partner with Nintendo and remake Earthbound with that, with that Ooh, art style right. Mario RPG. Could you could you imagine? I guess that would basically be like Paper Super Mario. Mario or, 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 oh, dude, uh, Paper Mario like updated with that. Yeah, yeah, like that would that would be dope as hell. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that would that'd be sick. But you know, it, it's nice to see Square Enix trying things like this. Uh, they they put out a lot of games. They put out a lot of a lot of games with various titles um, over the past year that you know I, I don't think what was it Everyday Sunlight. Every day, so every day. daylight. I don't know if that came out, but they had they had Valkyrie of uh, Val- Valkyrie Elysium. Elysium. 
They had the farming shit, Harvestella. Like, there's, and I don't know. They they crank out games like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah, but uh, something. But people like, must buy them, right? If they keep if putting they keep these things doing, out, yeah, yeah. people are buying these games, and so yeah, but it's a strategy that's working. Yeah, but Octopath too. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see that it exists and they continue supporting uh, games like this. So Barrett's pulled up our fantasy draft, of course, that we did on PS Love UXOXO and XCast. Whoa! Um, for those who are wondering, who picked up Octopath Traveler two it was the one and only Janet Garcia and Ishan. Oh, oh, and Ishan and Horizon Call of the Mountain. So Wait, Horizon, or- so eleven twenty two sixteen. That's thirty eight plus nineteen points. She's coming up on fifty seven points already. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the thing. Can you scroll back up? So like what she got three games or no scroll to Janice thing, because uh, Janet got three games that came out this week. To put to get three games on your thing and only get is that eight points? You're getting eight points because it's ever, oh no 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 no. I'm doing really bad math actually. I forget the the bar is seventy. So yeah, never mind. 11, never mind. Throughout points. my argument, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she's actually doing great. And, she's and, actually and, doing and, great. And think about it. These are her like fourth and fifth round picks and then i think she picked up horizon call of the mountain like later after the draft so. yeah and she also has she's looking the, good she got tears of the wait what is on my draft how'd she get tears tears of the kingdom because she had the first uh pick because she what won did last I pick? year I oh i got i got silk song uh, creative business unit 69 <laughs> <laughs> that's, the name, that's the name of the studio that's the name of the studio i wanted to keep and it you didn't even draft final fantasy 16 come on no. i think somebody else got 16 yeah. is what happened <laughs> But yeah, oh man. <laughs> no, Final Fantasy 16 wasn't drafted until the second round. Wow, wow. Well, yeah, I was going to get Silk Song before 16. And what was my second game? I got Resident Evil 4 Remake. I feel very good about that. I feel better about that than Final Fantasy 16. And I got Wolong on there. I'll, I'll be doing fine. I'll be doing fine. Fire Emblem Engage should have been better. Oh. All right. Get it together, Nintendo. God damn. God damn. Uh, story number three. It looks like Redfall's physical version includes a download code instead of a disc. This is Jordan Midler at Video Games Chronicle. It looks like Redfall's physical release will include a download code for the game instead of a disc. As spotted by Reset Era user, the the yeah, as spotted by a Reset Era user, the game's page on the Bethesda support site states that quote the physical Xbox copies of Redfall are Xbox Play Anywhere codes, which can be played on both the Xbox Series X and the Microsoft Xbox app on PC. End quote. VGC has asked Bethesda for comment on this story. While some special editions of modern first-party titles have included download codes, including notable releases like 2022's God of War Ragnarok, it's uncommon for the standard versions of games on Xbox to include just a code. The news, this news follows confirmation that the Arcane title will require an online connection to play, even in single-player mode. This is an interesting one. Yeah. How, do, how does this strike you? The idea that you're buying a physical edition of a, a standard <laughs> physical edition and you're getting a code inside the box. I mean, I, I kind of get it from like a production standpoint, but uh, but you're kind of wasting money on putting out physical, like the, the plastic boxes and shit. Like, mm-hmm. And you're just going to have a download code. Uh, you know, I've, I think over the years, as we move more towards a digital future, I guess, the more I've valued the, the presence of physical copies of games. Uh, because you see so many games get taken off of storefronts, digital storefronts, and then you don't have any way to play the game unless you go visit some illicit websites. Uh, that, and that, that's unfortunate. Uh, so, but I mean, the thing for it's it's arcane, and like they're doing something different with Redfall, and I don't I don't know, man. Like uh, at the same time, like I I do understand it because we're in a generation where they're like the two. Like the two consoles, like well, Xbox and PlayStation, and in this case, only Xbox. One of the systems that they're selling just doesn't have a disc drive, so I kind of, I kind of get it. Yeah, uh, but I do. I don't know. I wish you could at least put the, the game on disc. Then again, at the same time, we've seen so many games where you put the disc in, it's like, okay, cool. Now, di- now you're going to download 60 gigabytes. Exactly. Like, like, a lot of discs are just keys anyway <laughs> yeah. to download the game, so. and that's where that's where I think the story gets. Messy and very layered. Uh, I think in terms of game preservation, this is sort of an L, right? Like the idea that, all right, so it's all digital. What happens years and years and years down the line when like the game goes offline or like a game, the game gets taken off the shop like 15 years from now, right? Does that mean that Redfall will just disappear and nobody will have a copy of Redfall anymore? That stuff gets me concerned on the preservation side. And then also on the side of uh, the consumer maybe wanting to resell games. Hey, I bought this game for seventy dollars. All right, I played it. I played ten hours. I'm kind of over it. Let me sell it back to GameSpot. GameSpot. You can't do that with or GameStop. <laughs> hey, Tam. <laughs> yeah, Tam let, me, let me sell it back to Kimor Hussein. <laughs> but no, you can't do that for this game. Yeah. I think that is a bummer on the side of a consumer. If I'm if I'm somebody who's showing up to the store to buy 
uh, Redfall, I'll say do it digitally or do it through. First of all, do it through Xbox Game Pass. What are you doing paying full price? Sure. But yeah. then also, I'll just go digital for this game because at this point, why would you buy a physical edition of Redfall if you're getting a digital code anyway? Unless you're somebody who really wants the box, put it on your shelf, right? Yeah, like if you're somebody that really wants to put it on your shelf, then boo, then do you. But aside from that, I feel like there's not really a good use case for buying the physical edition yeah. on the Microsoft slash Bethesda side of it. For a game that's always online, like it, it makes gonna, more sense. You want right? it makes more sense. You're you're gonna need internet anyway to play the game. Yeah. If you have internet, then you can probably download the game. I think on that side, that's that might be yeah. where they're thinking. And then also the idea of how many people are going to buy this game physically when you're talking about it being on Game Pass, it being on the Xbox Store, like and it being so multiplayer focused. It being multiplayer like, focused. Ah, right. How many of us are going to show up to the store and you talk about saving, uh, spending more money or saving money, right? I'm sure Xbox and Bethesda are saving so much money by not printing discs, discs by yeah. just printing the code and putting it in the box, yeah, like the sh- cost and then of shipping to retailers, exactly. And, and then you're like also that. getting the 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 marketing of, hey, I'm at Best Buy, I'm looking for a game. What's this Redfall thing? Like I, being in the physical stores just as a marketing thing i think is probably still very valuable to them i think that's the only reason why they are releasing this physical box is to have that placement yeah here's a box that you can see even though you're not going to get a disc at least you know that redfall is a thing that yeah like by doing this maybe you're able to to have like the redfall character stand the the (laughs) pop-up cardboard the cardboard pop-up at the gamestop stores that still have that marketing because again if you're not in gamestop for this triple a game then i think you are missing out on that arm of marketing which is which is probably why they're doing this but it's I'm mixed on it. I don't like it as from the consumer side, but I kind of get it from the business side of why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. Yes, sir. Before we get into our next news story, I want to tell you about patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Why didn't Michael get the one? Over- I, I'm here. To- <laughs> I thought uh, my preview was on the jib and then I, I, uh, I uh, faded over to him, but I'll fade over to him again. Yeah, hey, fade over let, to him. let me sell you on kind of funny game. Heck yeah. Don't Listen. say any curse words because we're about to go into ads. Okay. Uh, spend money. Patreon, yeah, dollars. Yeah, give it to give it to give it to my friends here. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, where you can go and get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Look how cool I look. You too can look this cool. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and so much more. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. They'll also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order and have donated over 20 million meals to date. That's fantastic. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back exclusively for y'all listeners and watchers right now. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use code KINDAFUNNY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. These are five star rated by over 200,000 people. Again, that shadyrays.com use the code kinda funny shout out to honey for sponsoring this episode honey is the easy way to save when shopping on your iphone or computer and thanks to honey manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past and we all know there's nothing better than the feeling of saving money honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart when you check out the honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons you wait a few seconds you see the fun little dancing guy honey searches for coupons and it finds you the best ones and then you just watch the prices drop we here at kind of funny have been using honey for years and it's helped us save thousands on tech costumes food you name it honestly i just love how easy it is to just set and forget and save that's the best part honey doesn't just work on desktops it works on your phone too you just activate it on safari on your phone you save on the go if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out you can get paypal honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kind of funny that's joinhoney.com slash kind of funny if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Story number four. Very exciting news for some of you nerds out there. Civilization 7 officially <laughs> has been announced by Firaxis. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Firaxis Games has officially announced that Civilization 7 is in development at the studio. Revealed alongside the announcement that former COO Heather Hazen will be the new studio head, uh, Firaxis confirmed that the next Civilization game is in development. Quote, I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to carry, the, carry on the studio's storied legacy, beginning with the announcement that Firaxis is in development on the next iteration of the legendary Civilization franchise, said Hazen. Quote, I'm lucky to be working with some of the best developers in our industry, and we have plans to take the Civilization franchise to exciting new heights for our millions of players around the world. In addition, we'll continue to support Marvel's Midnight Suns with post-launch content and explore new creative projects for our teams, end quote. Fans have been patiently waiting for confirmation of a new entry for seven years, following the launch of Civilization VI in 2016. The studio has since been at work on its other premier strategy franchise in XCOM Chimera Squad, and most recently tried something brand new with the aforementioned Marvel's Midnight Suns. With the announcement only coming now, without any mention of release date, mechanics, or any other game details, it's likely that Civilization VII is still years away, but it'll seemingly be Firaxis Games' main focus going forward. The studio will be doing so without one of its leading uh, leading figures, however, as former creative director of the XCOM series and Marvel's Midnight Suns, Jake Solomon, has announced his departure from Firaxis. In a statement published to Twitter, Solomon said he'd only, he'd only had positive feelings for his time at the studio and was only leaving to pursue a new passion. His departure means the three leading, leading figures behind the XCOM franchise have now all departed Firaxis. Solomon, as designer uh, and director, was joined by producer Garth DeAngelis and art director Greg Forch. Michael, is uh, Civilization your thing, or do you, does uh, Firaxis do anything for you? Yeah, I mean, well, 4X strategy games are... Uh, I've had to leave those in the past. I'm not so smart anymore, but I have a ton of respect for the Civilization series. I, I played a lot of Civ Four as a kid. I thought I had, well, I had my third eye open playing that thing, man. So mm-hmm. uh, I got some history with Civilization, especially and, and more so XCOM. Uh, I played XCOM UFO, UFO Defense, the PS1 port back in the day. That was that was wild. But like, I, I really like the direction that they've taken XCOM with the more modern iterations. And Midnight Suns, like, put a lot of respect on Midnight Suns. Uh, um, that's that was a really good adaptation of uh, I think of, of the Marvel IP uh, that was at its core a really well done game and. And this, I mean, well, not so the same way like RGG like does game, Yakuza games like no one else. Uh, I feel like Firaxis does strategy games better than uh, at least uh, at the scale that they do for a big studio or a seemingly big studio. Uh, no one does strategy games kind of like them. There's yeah. a lot of forex strategy games out there, but Civilization has always been kind of the one that a lot of people hang their hats on. To be behind XCOM and Civilization like yeah. puts you in the oh you're a goat tier in terms of strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like J- Jake Solomon talking to him over the years, like uh, back when XCOM Two was kind of uh, on on its way to release, he's he's a really cool dude, and uh, he's kind of a one of the, one of the great minds of uh, strategy game development so i'm excited to see what uh what he does uh post a departure yeah i i mean you gotta assume that maybe he starts his own studio or like maybe he goes into writing different kinds of stories yeah right like i think the thing here when we talk about uh jake solomon leaving i'm sure plenty of people go oh man like what does this mean is there controversy is there this is there that yeah he's leaving right after putting out midnight suns which makes me think oh he's he, like he's ready for the next step yeah he saw that game all the way through he put it out critically it's very well acclaimed he did his thing, and now it's exactly. on to the next yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's being forced out because of sales or anything like that. Yeah. Sometimes, you, sometimes you just you just feel like moving on, trying new things. Exactly. Like I said, it's like got some new passions. If, if he left five months before the game came out, then I'd be like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> what's yeah, yeah, happening? Yeah. <laughs> but he's leaving a few months after the game's launch. Yeah. Like he's, he's he's probably about to he's probably about to make it like an independent studio or an independent game or something like that. Yeah. I imagine, which could be really cool. Because if you're having, again, lead dir- you have, you're having somebody who's worked at, and this is me just purely speculating now, somebody who's worked at Firaxis for that long of a time as a creative uh, lead role go on and do their own thing, guess what? That is going to create competition because I'm sure whatever he makes is people are going to have their eyes on it. People are going to be like, oh, 
what genius idea are you going to come up with, with next, right? And is this going to be something that can compete with XCOM or, or, or Civ, right? Or the strategy games that have come from Firaxis? I think that's the kind of thing you want. We're going to talk about a, a bit more uh, in our next news story about people leaving a studio to create another studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's what I want to see more. I want to see people branch out and do their own thing and be able to, to have their own passionate ideas come to fruition. Yeah, and we've seen, we've seen a, lot of th- a lot of examples of that where... You know, pe- people work for a company and do these big games, and then it's like, okay, let me try something smaller. I know uh, Rafael Colantonio from Arcane did like weird. What was it? I think it was called Weird West, and uh, it's like, oh, cool. Like this developer that I've been following their work in their studio for a long time is, you know, they're experimenting, and you kind of. It's it's always fascinating to see like the DNA of the games that they did work on into like their smaller. Uh, more passion projects so uh depending on what he goes on like i'm definitely yeah. gonna be uh, it, it could be anything too like it yeah. could be this man is about to write a comic or he's do about to write a book game. or do a board game oh. <laughs> that would be actually pretty fun to see yeah he's always he's uh, stepping on your territory right there yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah like you know civilization uh seven very exciting Civ for 7, civilization yeah. fans you know I'm, I'm not a civilization person but i when civilization came out in 2016 i heard about that shit yeah, right yeah. like people talk people fucking love civilization <laughs> uh and so yeah shout out to people shout, i mean shout out to y'all for getting uh that hopefully sometime soon yeah right hopefully it's not 10 years away <laughs> oh sure because yeah. what the 2016 that was god i do i can't do math anymore eight yeah. years ago seven years ago they, they've had a lot of expansion packs since then also that have incorporated uh, mm, different elements i know sense. that they had i think the most recent one correct me if i'm wrong was uh one that incorporated a lot of like climate change uh factors and elements into the gameplay formula uh which was pretty interesting um so take another crack at a base civilization game uh I, I really wonder what they can do with the formula because you know there's there's been a lot of 4x games out there 4x strategy games and i think in the independent space too we've seen a lot of creative creativeness in grand strategy i guess you could say uh so but civ 6 probably yeah it's gonna be a, a ways out but definitely keep my eye on it i don't know if i got the i don't know if i got the headspace for that anymore but uh you know, if you are, keep your keep your third eye open. Keep your, keep your third you, eye open. If you ever want to play as Gandhi, you just fucking sh- shooting nukes out into the world. I got a game I got you. a game for you. It's called yeah. Civ. <laughs> Story number five. Uh, we got some ex Apex Legends and Titanfall leads. They formed a new studio uh, called Wildlight Entertainment. This is Jordan Midler at Video Games Chronicle. A number of former Respawn Entertainment developers have announced the formation of Wildlight Entertainment, a new game studio. The team, which is almost entirely made up of developers that have previously worked on Apex Legends or the Titanfall series, is currently hiring for several senior roles. Leading Wildlight Entertainment uh, is Chad Grenier, former game director of Apex Legends, who also served uh, on both uh, on, on the teams of both Titanfall games and the original Modern Warfare series prior to Respawn boss Vin Zampella's split from Infinity Ward. Grenier is joined by multiple other f- uh, former Respawn developers who all left within the last 14 months. That includes Mohamed Alavi, the former Modern Warfare and Titanfall designer who was attached to a single-player adventure game said to be the canceled Titanfall campaign until his departure last year. I also got a tweet here from Chad Grenier who tweeted out, For the last year, I've been hard at work creating a new game studio comprised of some of the most amazing developers from my previous time on COD, Titanfall, and Apex Legends. Today, we get to announce Wildlight Entertainment. Very interesting. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Does this do anything for you? Yes, uh, I've talk- I'm not trying to flex, but uh, you know I've talked to Chad Grenier over the years as well about the development of Apex and the different seasons that they do, and like great creative minds at Respawn still. Like I think I think Respawn will be okay. I think um, you know they got that they got that Star Wars money. Yeah, uh, I know it's unfortunate they had to shut down the the Apex Mobile thing and you know the stuff about Titanfall. It's like damn, really wish uh, that can come to fruition. Uh, but another, again, this is another case of you know developers who spend a long time at a certain studio and then branch out to try some new things, and maybe they can kind of rekindle some of those ideas that they didn't get to like execute on at Respawn. Um, who knows? Uh, but the, those, I mean, those games are kind of uh, they're like big projects. They're impressive and expensive projects, also. So um, I'm wondering what kind of scale. Uh, they can provide some of the games that they're they're going to work on or the game that they're going to work on. But it, it's also funny how Respawn was also an offshoot of, like, of, of Infinity Ward. And, and then now we have Wildlight, which is an offshoot of Respawn. So mm-hmm. uh, the cycle continues of developers just like, you know, maybe they maybe they get burnt out or maybe there's like, okay, well, if I stay here, I'm not going to be able to do the thing that I actually want to do. And now I'm in a good position to do that. Um, you know, things are... Uh, Things are a little different now in the in the, the game development space, but uh, yeah, seems like 
I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do because they have a good track record. Obviously, I, I, I think Apex Legends is still the best battle royale out there right now yep. to this day. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of talented folks uh, that are going along with him and lots of talented folks still at Respawn as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see. This is the continued story we've gotten of de- developers leaving AAA studios to then start their own, own, own studios, right? And I think, you know, you have quite a few things con- uh, contributing to that right but i think overall i like the idea that people are doing their own thing you know going back to the uh, what we talked with uh, about with jake solomon the idea that hey you can go on make your own studio get support from maybe epic or maybe skybound right, maybe yeah. like some of uh, the ubisoft or like uh or maybe ea originals right like there's so many resources or maybe just crowdfunding there's so many resources that you can reach out to to possibly have your uh game funded and I don't know. I really, I really like like, like seeing that stuff. You know, I think we've had a lot of hair misses. Uh, Callisto Protocol just came out, right? Yeah. And that's one that has had mixed reception. Um, but that is a product of you know developers being like, "Hey, let's do our own thing. Let's do our own take on Dead Space because we worked on Dead Space before." Yeah. Hey, oh man, Crafton sees potential in us. Crafton wants to to um, acquire us. Cool. Like, let's do this. And yeah, like you have more original ideas come to fruition that way. I love reading a story about. The, these folks in particular starting a new studio, especially coming off of the story we got like last week or two weeks ago about um, the canceled Titanfall, quote unquote, Titanfall yeah. Legends game sure. that was going to be this dope ass uh, Titanfall uh, single player campaign where you had the the, the Titans, you had the um, Apex elements, you had all these things. Uh, Jeff Grubb was describing it having like a- um, Hades elements to it, too, which yeah. sounds absolutely wild. Dog. A lot of good ideas there. I wonder if these folks are able to carry on any of those Ooh. ideas, right? Or find other ideas that are just as cool that they can implement in, in a first-person shooter. Because you got to imagine, they got to be working on a first-person yeah. shooter, right? You're talking about people who came... <laughs> you're talking about multiple people who came from working on COD, Titanfall, and Apex Legends. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those are, give those, me your, yeah, those those are, are some of the best shooters in recent memory. 1,000%. So. Give, give me your new take, right? Give me your, yeah. new, your new game that is going to take um, a lot of those uh, ideas that you've had while working on those games or things that you've learned while working on those games and give me give me a banger like i'm i'm expecting so, something dope from again you're talking about chad grenier you're talking about muhammad uh, uh alavi who's yeah. attached to that canceled game i got high hopes for this i'm actually i'm actually excited yeah. to see what they come up with yeah i guess so yeah when you put when you put it like that yeah i think so as well because like not everything can be funneled through triple a development like um like big big yeah. budget stuff from from ea like they 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 want to make certain kind of games that are going to make a certain level of like going to rake in some money so uh in a way there's at least from the outside looking in it's uh maybe there's not as much room for creative uh creativity in the things that they put out i mean you know when they announced or it was revealed like that that titanfall was canceled like a lot of people were very sad about that and it's like damn if y'all if y'all aren't even going to support like a new titanfall mm-hmm. then like well, damn what's going on uh so yeah shouts out to those folks chad grenier and, and them yeah wildlife I'm, I, so to, as an update somebody Ooh. in chat mentioned that on their uh, twitter they mentioned working on a shooting the uh, game and yeah i pulled up their twitter and here they say hello world we're very excited to announce our new game studio wildlife entertainment we've got big dreams of creating an epic shooter ip so there you oh, go t- there you go yeah <laughs> that's that question yeah there you go that answers that and again very excited about that yeah. and you know to your point of not every, everything can be funneled through AAA development. I, I think that's another thing that gets me excited as well. Because one thing that gives me a lot of fear is corporate consolidation. Yeah. The idea that everything has to be owned by something else. Xbox is buying Activision Blizzard. PlayStation is buying, buying Bungie. Everybody's buying every, uh, everything. Mm-hmm. That is, to me, a scary idea because I think it can lend to, um, I guess, a lot of homogenous uh, yeah. um, type of development where great everything's a playstation game everything's a ubisoft game everything's an xbox game right and like you have less freedom of creativity you have less brand new ideas that wouldn't be made under a ubisoft or under a playstation right and this is me knocking these companies this is me talking about what happens when you have a big corporate um uh, entity above you right that is helping you usher uh, uh, through the, the uh, these game ideas when you have an independent studio the world's your oyster. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like as long as you can get it funded and put it out. It's, and it, it's risky, it's scary, yeah. but like it's free it's free. And so, yeah, it's don't get me wrong though. I understand how difficult these things are to do and pull off. For sure. Uh or at least I can uh, I can I, at least identify how difficult these things are so it's not like 
uh, yeah, we're breaking away from the the corporate overlords. Hell yeah, let's go. It's like, damn, that's uh, that's yeah, like you said, it's scary, risky. Um, but yeah, it's um, I've been trying, I've been trying to find the. There's a Twitter thread from Shinobi on Twitter where he has a thread of all of the uh, AAA like independent studios that have been announced, right? From a lot of these folks that are leaving um, their uh, like Ubisoft or other big publishers to create their own studio. And when I, and maybe, maybe he has a new one in there because like it, this <laughs> was just announced. So like, I'm, I'm sure he might've updated it. The updates. But um, yeah, like I look through that list and I'm, ex- I'm excited about most of those projects. A good percentage of those projects are going to fail. Like sure, that is just the yeah. fact of the matter of how the video games industry works, right? Like that's the fact of the matter of, a lot of games come out and they don't hit. It's, we talk about it all the time in yeah, terms of, yeah. hey, we we thought Cyberpunk was a surefire, and that game comes out and it disappoints a lot of people. That shit made money though. I mean, it did it did make so. money, right? And like that's the that's the other thing about it. But yeah, like a lot of these things are are a lot of people are going to try, right? And a lot of people like you look at Closer Protocol and Closer Protocol didn't sell as yeah. much as they wanted to sell, yeah. right? Like the game was you know fine to okay to good to great depending on who you are, but that game didn't sell the numbers that they wanted it to sell, right? Like, you're going to have a lot, of, a lot of those. You're going to have some successes, right? And you're hoping for more successes, but then you're also going to have <laughs> some failures. And so, again, I'm looking at this, and I, and I look at the team here, and I'm like, this seems like a dope-ass team. I want them to succeed. I hope they, I hope they do. I hope they got the, 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 the good head on their shoulders. Uh, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring out. Hell, yeah. Final news story. Ooh. Story number six. Sega says Sonic Frontiers sales greatly exceeded its expectations. This comes from Chris Scolian at Video Games Chronicle. Sega has stated that sales of Sonic Frontiers have exceeded its expectations at this stage. In a Q&A with investors last week, Sega Sammy Holdings Executive Vice President uh, Makoto uh, Takahashi and IR-SR General Manager Nobuaki Yoshi stated that despite the game's Metacritic score being lower than it had hoped, the game has sold better than it expected. Uh, at the time of publishing, the game has Metascores between 69 nice, and 75 across its target platforms. During the Q&A, one investor noted that the average price of Sonic Frontiers hasn't dropped much since it was released, and asked uh, what the company's sales strategy was for the game going forwards. Quote, In terms of the selling price, we temporarily held a, a sale on Black Friday, as per our initial strategy, but have since returned to the previous price, and have been able to achieve results so far while maintaining the price level to a certain extent, came the reply. Quote, the number of units sold great the number of units sold greatly exceeded the full year plan at the beginning of the fiscal year, and we recognize that this is a title that will continue to sell over over the long term based on our sales strategies, such as pricing, promotions, and the development of free DLC. End quote. In the article, they go on to talk about things like uh, the Sonic movie and Sonic Prime and how that also contributes to sales as well. But I want to bring in a tweet from Benji Sales, who um, uh, helps uh, kind of um, uh, take some of the elements that they talked about in their Q&A, right, and distill it down. And uh, Benji tweeted out, uh, Sega says Sonic Frontiers sales greatly exceeded expectations and the sequel will get a bigger budget. Quote, the number of units sold greatly exceeded our original estimation, end quote. And then here's another quote from the Q&A. We are proceeding with a bigger budget, even from basic research stage, end quote, for the sequel. Let's fucking go oh, i know we're you. winning <laughs> we're winning let's oh, fucking go all right all right I, I, sonic I, frontiers with a better budget give it more time also give yeah, it more time that's yeah, really yeah. what it needs I, I, but i'll take a bigger budget as well <laughs> i was gonna say I, I respect the sonic sickos but i don't know if i do but uh i'm happy for uh, y'all you will respect this <laughs> you will respect oh, this. this fool out here rocking the shadow of the hedgehog chain everywhere he goes man god could you imagine Yo. the sonic frontiers without the poppin that's what we're getting in the sequel, I, I, baby. I, I, would, I, would <laughs> like to see, I would like to see a little bit more than that improve with the Sonic Frontiers. But hey, listen, uh, if there's going to be another, maybe take another crack at it. I mean, I, I a like lo- longer playtime. They can t- probably double the playtime in that <laughs> thing. It took me what twenty hours to be. We can get a forty-hour Sonic game. Let's do Fuck it. it. Let's make do that, it. We won. <laughs> we won, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I take back what I said. I ain't. I ain't happy for none of y'all. So, <laughs> um, no, that's that's cool. I, I I would I would like to see them take another crack at like make something that feels a little bit more meh, complete. I guess yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and if they if they made hella money off that, they could make hella more money off of a off of a sequel. Um, so I guess I guess they're, in, they're it seems like they're in a good place. And you know I. I I don't, I, have, I don't hate Sonic, but so I want, I want y'all to be happy. I'm, listen, I'm somebody who loves Sonic, and I gave the game a 3 out of 5. So I'm yeah, totally, I'm totally yeah. there with you in terms yeah. of there is so much to improve in that game. Yeah. And I honestly, even though I'm, I'm happy to hear it's getting a bigger budget, I think what they need is more TLC and more time. Mm-hmm. And just like, the thing that worries me with Sonic is that Sonic 
sells as an IP, regardless of the quality of the game. Sure. We yeah. get so many bad Sonic games, and people buy them anyway. <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't know who these yeah. people are. Uh, uh, listen. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I might be one of them. I, I know one of them, too. <laughs> like, it's, it, it, it's bad to the point where Sega is like, they look at Sonic Frontiers. I'm sure they didn't look at it and went, Oh yeah, it's perfect. Like yeah, it's perfect. Like it's perfect the way yeah. it is. Put it out. They knew they know the problems with that game. They just they were just like, hey, just put it out. So yeah, put it out. Like it's they, gonna sell. Yeah. People are gonna buy it. It goes back to what we talked about with Pokemon, where Pokemon is too powerful. Pokemon has too much sales potential. They put out the buggiest Pokemon game of all time, and it was the fastest selling console exclusive of all time. Yep. That is that I think that's where the problem problem lies with a lot of stuff. But again, I think a bigger budget for it could probably help. What they really need though is um is time yeah. and like they need to f- they they need more of a focus on quality yeah. i think if they're able to do that the design direction of sonic frontiers i thought was great i like the idea of them being in the uh, the worlds being open it being more collectathon based it having these emergent boss fights they can get into i think a lot of the platforming design and ideas were inspired right not always quality some of that stuff need a lot of sprucing up but the direction of sonic frontiers is some of the best direction in sonic yeah um it just needs more polish <laughs> yeah. way more polish is yeah. the thing yeah and I, I i saw the vision i saw what they were going for yeah and i was like oh cool yeah, yeah. i, I want to see a sonic game try this uh i just hope that you know that that bigger budget goes into the right places uh because yep. like sonic frontiers there's a lot of quality of life things that just like super questionable quality of life things uh even small things like how the, how the menu works how you pull up different in- information that you yep. need for like how fast traveling works how yeah. when you want to upgrade your char- your character like, by damn. talking to the the rock man like <laughs> why do i have to then give him one collectible at a time to level up my speed or my like it do- it doesn't make sense yeah. Barry, you fucking take down what, sonic what is, 06 this? Oh, this is sonic 06. 06 you take you, no. wait this isn't the new one <laughs> this is not the new one no <laughs> you know what you know what scene you is know this? What he's going like, they're going to kiss the human and sonic are going to kiss oh. no. I'm pretty sure this is the new one. This is not the new. I played the new one. This is not the new one. Sonic, the new one doesn't have people. Oh, come ending. on! Yo, Why did you show me this? Sonic, Sonic fucks. <laughs> what is this? I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Sonic, Sonic out here smashing. Like, oh yeah, Sonic uh, Gex. Oh Ge- yeah, Gex. That de- de- yeah. definitely be smashed. Did you up. see the the, the uh, unreleased Gex Junior? Uh, no. Finish? Whoa. What? It was a Gex Junior, <laughs> Gex Junior game. Yeah. Is. Yeah, probably. Okay. Or maybe it's so, him as a kid. It's not confirmed. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm assuming. Wait, why would it be him as a kid if it's if Gex it's Junior? Junior? <laughs> maybe it's Oh, uh, you know what? It's got to be his kid. <laughs> You're right. That's got to be his kid. I'm thinking Baby Mario. I'm thinking baby like Baby. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm conflating the two concepts. I'll I'll pass on that, man. Right, no, look at how cool this kid is. This kid's so cool. His hat's backwards. So you know he's cool. Oh shit! Nah, my you know hat, what? My this this kid, this kid right here, he's the one who's telling telling you that he has got an uncle who works at Nintendo. <laughs> and is he wrong? <laughs> is he he's, wrong? Yes. He's, yeah. Very wrong. The developers of Gex might technically be counted as an uncle. I don't know. That dude is looking for. Uh, and they probably worked at Nintendo at some point in their careers. <laughs> God damn! Bring back Gex? Maybe I don't know. Oh my sure. god! My, I can't wait to see if they ever bring back Gex. But that day is just so far away. Yeah, it is. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every week day. Yeah. Out today, we got Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios at, in Hollywood. Let's go. I, I really want to yeah. go to that. A lot of people were out there. I saw, and here, I'm offended. I'm not offended. Um, but like, I saw a lot of people out there that are like my homies. I'm like, oh, man. That looks like the, that looks like a time right there. I wish yeah. I could go with them. I wish he I could was go heated with them. when you saw Tam. Got when his... I saw when I saw Tam in front of Bowser. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, Barrett has the image. Also, he had uh, Shigeru Miyamoto sign his Switch. Look at this thing. That's awesome. Damn, we got to jump Tam. I'm telling you. That's oh, we got, we got we got to jump him. Take a Switch though. Sell that thing on the allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> oh, allegedly. Yeah, 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 yeah. in a video game. Yeah, yeah. Alleg- yeah, in a video game. Allegedly. You know, we can make that in dream. I got you know, I gotta switch OLED. I could easily swap out that Joy-Con. I could go to his go to his house like today if he's back home. Swap out the Joy-Con. He won't yeah, even it, know. He wouldn't even know. that same way uh, yeah. Joy-Con just just scribble on it yeah. on, the, on the bag, sw- uh, swap it out. Yeah. You or you can be like, oh man, oh, it rubbed off. Oh, that's a shame, Tam. <laughs> that's a shame that the just, just go in there and fuck up his whole shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't even steal it for yourself. <laughs> I was gonna say steal it and then use the, the oh. yeah, the clear one as an excuse that it rubbed off. But yeah, you can also just fucking yeah. vandalize it. That's, that's <laughs> nice. Rub it off yourself. You're really a villain. We love you, Tamor. Thank you for uh Thank you for letting me do the Yakuza Ishin review. Bring me back. Hey, and also let me uh, bring me uh, the when next time you go to Nintendo World, take me with you. Oh, let's go. Take me as your plus one. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Let's let's arrange a trip. Barrett, you wanna go? 
I'm fucking down. Let's go. Let's go. Let's you think? Go, let's go on that Mario Kart ride so I can Ooh. kick y'all's ass. Ooh. I'm saying I think we can pitch this to Tim because uh, well, first of all, Tim definitely wants to go to Nintendo World. Yeah, for that's, content. Yeah, that's content. and I'm and I'm saying like a, a Super Nintendo World review on kind of funny games cast, and then we get it. Uh, How many expensed? views? It gets a lot of views, and it's, we get it expensed. Yeah, that's, that gets a lot of views. Content <laughs> yeah. creation. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also got out today Tales of Symphonia remastered for PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. The Settlers, new uh, allies for PC. Wild Hearts for PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. Gigantosaurus, Dino Kart for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, Evil Below for PC and PS4. And then Farmside for PC and Apple Arcade. New dates for you. Genshin Impact version 3.5 arrives on March 1st. And then Bleak Faith Forsaken will launch on PC via Steam and GOG on March 10th. Uh, I watched a trailer for Bleak Faith this morning because I got an email about it. And the email equated it to like dark souls meets shadow of the colossus and i was like stop you had me at shadow of the colossus oh, yeah. and i watched the trailer and i was like this looks pretty good oh so, okay. there you go that's what's up uh deal of the day for you speaking of sonic the hedgehog there's this abomination what that's fuck? uh that, that's <laughs> gone on uh pre-orders it's from wario 64 pop taters sonic the hedgehog four inch figure is, is up for pre-order awful at, that is at cursed. entertainment earth yeah uh, it's 14 dollars 99 cents <laughs> for free shipping or no $39 plus orders with code free ship. I don't really understand the price structure here, but put in f- code free ship 39 to get it for cheaper possibly. Yeah, so I, I think it's the the abomination that you have here is $15, but if you want to get uh, free shipping, you have to have an order that's $39 yeah. or oh, over, and gotcha. then it, you use that code and stuff. So if you want to buy like <laughs> fucking the three idea of that, these. The idea that you things. see this and you're like, fuck, oh, I want this $15 figure, but I want to get it with free shipping. Let me spend... A lot more money to then yeah. get this for That's free how they shipping. Get you, bless. That's pop, how they get you. Pop taters. This is basically like Mr. Potato Man, but, but they're Sonic? trying to they're trying to like sell this Funko Pop in a weird way, and I hate it. It's potato based, like pop taters. Sorry. Oh yeah, I, I don't like, get it. It's Mr. Potato. It. It's yeah, you're, yeah. You got it right. Wow. I just looked pop up pop taters. taters. Barrett, I need to Google pop taters. Look at this. I'm scared. <laughs> Look at I'm this. Scared. Let's. They got Bob Ross. They got Bob Ross Pop Taters. Okay, Damn. Hey, Pop Taters cut the check. They got Transformers Optimus Prime Pop Taters. And it's all just Mr. Potato Head. Oh, God. This is awful. This is terrible. This is so bad. People uh, people fuck with Mr. Potato Head like that? I didn't know. I mean, as a kid, I loved Mr. Potato Head. I only knew him from uh, Toy Story, honestly. So, yeah, here you yeah. got... Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You got Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, Bob, Bob Ross. Ross. Is that Optimus Opti- Prime? Opti- Optimus Prime. I don't know what this is. Yeah, I don't know what that fourth one is. It's just an exploding head. What the hell? This is sick. Yeah. This this mm. and not in a good way. Not in a cool like. Oh, this is fucking sick. Wait, this is, is like, that? <laughs> hold on, hold on. This is perverted. Is that Deadpool? <laughs> that the, Marvel one? Oh, this one right here. Yeah. It looks like it. Uh, that one kind of looks kind of cool though. Are you fucking serious right now? I'm kind of digging this one. I'm not going to lie. Shut up, Les. I'm, nah. I'm kind of digging it. You're nah. sick of that. <laughs> when you squint your eyes a little bit, it looks like it says Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Pop-Taters. All right. Pop-Taters. There you have it. Deal of the day for you. Wait, Michael Heim. Or not. Uh, so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Breaking Bad Walter White Pop-Tater. I am not co-signing this shit. <laughs> does anybody in chat, like, is oh, any, does anybody out there... Like like pop taters, is this a thing? Is this a thing? Let me know. Yeah, I'm curious. I've never heard of these before, but I'm kind of, kind of in. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> now it's time for counterfunny.com slash you're wrong. Where you write in, let us know. Well, everybody in chat is like, fuck no, no. We was wrong about pop taters. Miku Gasu in chat said, I need that. Uh, Ronk in chat says, say his name. Oh, <laughs> See, here's the thing. This seems like something Roger would unironically collect. Not you, bless. Come on. If I see, if I see a pop I would tater, ironically do it. If I see a pop tater on Roger's desk, I'm I'm beating the Sonic rings out that thing. <laughs> Listen. I here's the thing is I would ironically get the Sonic pop tater, but I genuinely looks ugly. If there was a Tony Soprano pop tater, Roger would hundred percent get that. All right, so I'm on counterfunny.com slash you're wrong. Of course, you can write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Um people are saying counterfunny.com is down. <laughs> Uh, Pop Taters got to us. They heard us talking shit. Somebody said Horizons. Wait, no. Let me read this first before I say it. All right. Uh, HD 2D was used in Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster for some areas in the game. Uh, this is Gundam Steven, by the way. He um, says, but I agree they should do Chrono Trigger in HD 2D. That's not a you're wrong. It's additional information, but I still appreciate it. Uh, Gundam. And that's it. Sorry for your wrong being being down. We should probably look into that. Um, 
Oh, it turns out we were all right. Thing yeah. is, though, I don't think we have a, a role that kind of funny. That's the that's the website online roles. So like, I mean, yeah, I, I think guess the I'll closest <laughs> is checking in with Joey and seeing. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've also yeah. tried um, incognito mode. And it's not loading there because I'm wondering if it's like a cache issue or uh, something like that. Yeah, and yeah, it's not loading there either. So uh, I got a cache issue too. If you know what I'm saying, a yeah. too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, it's the opposite oh, of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Today's Friday. That's it for Kind of Funny Games Daily for the week. But next week, we got a really exciting week of KFD for you. On Monday, the return of the one and only Greg Miller. He's back with Tim. Tuesday, you're getting Tim and Krista. <laughs> Which Krista? Who knows? Who knows? I didn't get a last name on the calendar. Again, I, I'm uh, 99% sure Krista from Kit and Krista. But, but like, it could maybe Tim has a neighbor down the street named Krista who likes video true. games. That's true. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Wednesday, it's me and Tim. Thursday, it's me and Tim. Friday, it's Tim and me. Yeah. Yeah, it's for you. Switch up right there. Yeah, Barry, take this tweet down. This is a, tw- a tweet from yesterday that says <sighs> Wii U is greater than PlayStation. Vita. Yo, I don't I th- like this. I thought really hard about this, though. Yeah? You know Where'd you saying? come down? Remember, the Vita has Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, I know. I know. I bought uh, a Vita. I bought you a- had Captain Toad. Are you trying to equate those two things? Yeah, the Wii U. Fight right, right here, man. We you have Greg and Tim are here. <laughs> They're not here to stop me from getting to you behind Wii that window. Wii U has Wind Waker HD remake. That's what I'm, just, I'm just, Oh, God, no. Bear is walking to the door. I was joking, Bear. I was oh, joking. Oh, God. What have I done? It's like a, it's like a wrestling. He's running in like a wrestling. Oh, he's going to give me. Oh, God. <laughs> that felt so much like a wrestling entrance. Like, all I was missing was, like, music to come on. We'll be your wrestling entrance music. I'm going to go with Linkin Park. <laughs> I know. Damn. That was scary. That was scary. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about a, a white man darting at me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I apologize for putting <laughs> yeah. you both in that give situation. Me a, give me flashbacks. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching this live after this is Dead Space with Andy and Nick, if you want to catch that stream later, you can, of course, subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday uh, live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Till next time, Game Daily. Take my hand.